The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand and live. We're live on Twitch today. Today, October 24th, 2021, Sunday. And today on the program, we're going to talk about, of course, TV rating, TV ratings, the kinds of TV ratings, not just final ratings, but fast affiliates, fast nationals. Again, because... AEW was in preemption. Fox aired a replay of SmackDown. We'll talk about everything that's going on in the world of wrestling TV ratings, but also we're going to go to a place that we don't always go these days. New Japan Business. We've got some details from the uh, public reporting from New Japan's parent company, Bushi Road. We will go over those details today as the G1 Climax uh, came to a conclusion just a few days ago. And then there was another large-scale international event in a country not to be named. And finally, um, we'll talk about a, uh, a recent WWE stock analysis uh, that came out from a, uh, a stock analyst. That's where those things usually come, usually come from. All that today and more. But first... And yeah, it's another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. Uh, Chris Gillow joining alongside Brandon Thurston. And uh, it was a little bit of normalcy. And we'll get kicked off here with SmackDown, which was on Fox. But we'll be back on FS1 next week. Yes. But wait a minute. But w- look look at this. Speaking of normalcy, I did a house call, as people may know, last <laughs> week. Uh, I, I did watch it back. And it, it looks like we are not in person. We had the most n- not in person looking in person podcast I've ever seen. <laughs> have you have you seen it? Did you see like a, a little bit of it at least? Yeah, I will go back and watch to see how it looked. Because so I'm using this webcam. That's we will not use that webcam again for something like that. But like it's it's a little bit of a, a, a fisheye, so we look a little bit bent. And 
I'm I'm not completely on the screen at parts, um, and it, it it looks like somebody could have spliced us together. You know, just two. Sh- we could have done done this. You know, like it looks like it might might as well have been this for people watching on on Twitch right now. It may may have well just been us sitting. Look, we're in the same room. Hi, hi. here, fist over here, fist bump me. You're not gonna fist bump me. Okay, fine. I've been disrespectful. Oh, that's... it's too late. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gonna complain about you in the locker room now. Um, <laughs> but that happened. We I fixed your microphone. Your microphone that um, I've been complaining about for months. We have spent remotely. We have spent a lot of time trying to fix your microphone. However, we 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 discovered that your microphone actually does have a hole that you can plug a a set of headphones into. This is a new discovery. And now you now now you're actually hearing me. You're you're hearing yourself, I should say, through your your headphones. Yes, like a real radio broadcast, right? And yes, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. And I'm experimenting with uh, some some different music. This has to be royalty free music. That's why it was different. Um, and you're actually hearing this music. So in the future, if we play audio clips and things of that nature, like. Uh, like uh, maybe this clip. The bears are what we thought they were. What, what, they're what we thought they were. The bears are who we thought they were. So we play clips. That's we why play... we took the damn field. So we can play clips like that. And and you heard that. Yeah. Technological achievement. It's a very complicated process. I've got like four lights surrounding me. I've got a green screen. Gullo's got a green screen on the way. This is this is all thanks, by the way, and funded by WrestleMania subscribers. Patreon.com slash WrestleMania. So thanks to everybody for their, for your support. And you are the executive producers of this program. Yes. You have something else too, don't you? Oh, yes. Tell, especially for, for the people who, who are listening in audio only, what, 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 what do you have in your hand right now? It is an official WrestleMania's coffee mug. But what's interesting is in the back, a nice bar graph, which you can find this graph. On the uh, Russell Knox Patreon, uh, <laughs> this graph here of US TV rights deal. It's not on the Patreon. It's the- actually it's a very similar bar chart to what is on the header of the of the Russell Twitter account. Um, what does it show though? It shows the US TV rights agreements timeline, and that's for Raw, SmackDown, and Dynamite. Yes, in- in- informative and useful at the same time. Um, what ha- historically what happens when when we bring out. WrestleNomics coffee mugs. I have one in my hand right now. This one has um, the the WrestleMania attendances on it, and this, this is the real attendances based on what they've published in key performance indicators. Um, what has happened historically is that we have sort of just bought this for ourselves and to have, and then listeners respond enthusiastically, and they're like, "I want, I, give me that. I want one." And then, then. Um, it was a few years ago now, but we, we got like 20 or 30 of them and they went pretty fast. So if there's similar response, maybe I'll look into uh, a, a bulk order or something. Um, but now Golo has a WrestleMania mug. I have, just because I, I can't help myself, I have to, I have to one-up you. I, I have two WrestleMania mugs. One has coffee oh. and water because I need many beverages to supply this system that we have here. Um, but anyway, yes, moving on. All right, so moving on uh, into the world of the business of professional wrestling for the week. And we'll start off with SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown back here on Friday night, at least for this week on Fox. 
Now, this is based on preliminary data from Nielsen. Uh, and, and this would be the fast affiliates. And we're looking at 2.22 million for the P2 plus with a 0.58 and 1849 based on early projections. Um, and obviously it's kind of compare it to last week's, which was on FS1, which did 866 with 0.24, but back on SmackDown yeah. over 2 million. I'm sorry, back on Fox over 2 million. Uh, but of course it's a one week thing for right now. I should tell you here too, this, um, this, these columns here that show the deltas, which are, which is just a fancy word for the differences. I've yeah. changed this to, to show the comparison versus the last four weeks. Median, median of the last four, which is my favorite, uh, measurement to compare a given rating against. Um, this was, I felt the best thing to do because we have these preemptions happening. So if you take the median of the last four SmackDowns, for example, it, it gets, the median gets rid of what would be misleading in an average or, or, or a, just a comparison to last week. Cause if we were just comparing to last week, the, the difference would be like 150%. Yeah. This is comparing to the last four. So it's, you know, this is a good rating. This is a decent, a pretty good rating for SmackDown. Yeah. It was coming down the heels of Crown Jewel, the, which yes. aired Thursday afternoon on Peacock. The large scale international event. Did you watch the large scale <laughs> international event? I have not yet. Uh, I was working during the day on Thursday and then I was out of town. Uh, this weekend at a cabin uh, with my wife celebrating our anniversary. So I have not watched any of these wrestling programs. Happy catch anniversary. Up a little I saw all, your, all the, the Instagram posts celebrating this. Yes. Like pictures of like Puff and uh, Kevin Blackwood and Kevin Bennett and uh, the man formerly known as Body uh, all, all together. They were all at your wedding. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I, I always remember like, wow, I had that many wrestlers at my wedding. <laughs> Come to think of it, probably a story we haven't told in this program yet. Um, did you have a bachelor party or a stag? Because there's a difference, right? I had a stag. You had a stag. Yeah, I had a stag, yes. Stags are, from what I understand, stags are a little bit more, what's the word? Like a fundraiser? Reckless? I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. Some, I'm not, not yours in particular. Speaking yes. Generally. Yes. <laughs> uh, did you have any special guests at your stag? Uh, I, I did. Uh, I was unaware of this before, uh, the stag happened, but here I am at the stag. A, a, a few of the guys. Surprise they, guests. Uh, they got, they, they not got Virgil. Virgil. Just yes. up. He showed up with a giant stack of eight by tens. I think he sold two. Uh, but, uh, yep. He was just there. And one of the guys that helped favor the wrestler was like, Hey man, he doesn't really like drink alcohol or anything. So can you just have pizza and stuff? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's, he's a special guest. Yeah. So, he, so. He, they like paid his, I think he's, he's out of Pittsburgh or something, right? Yes. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Excellent. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so some of the ratings information we're talking about today are fast ratings. Before we go any further with the ratings, can you, Chris Golo, remember slash tell us what the three ratings are and what they actually mean, what, what, what they are. Define them. Well, a fast affiliates, you're only going to get that with your broadcast networks, your ABCs, your Foxes, your CBSs, and all that. And that's based on all the data they get from their affiliates. For example, Fox 29 in Buffalo and whatever, Fox 45 in Rochester, whatever it is. I'm, I'm, you know, 
Um, but yeah, you're going to get a base data on that, but that's why we had the skewed numbers back with preseason football because they're just pulling everything that's on every Fox affiliate. But then you had to remember that half those things were playing preseason football. Well, not half of them, but some of them were instead of SmackDown. Usually they're then, pretty reliable, but they're yeah. with some rare exceptions like that. They're the finals are always higher than the fast affiliates. But go on. Number two, the other, the Number second two, kind of rating that, that we'll, we'll talk about. Fast today. nationals. And this would be for your broadcast networks. This is something that's very pricey too. Like you have to get from Nielsen to get that data Only out. Broadcast. Uh, uh, no, it's a cable. This is cable. I said cable networks. I mean, I meant that's what I meant. it could be. It's, it, it's either cable and broadcast. Yes. But yeah, this would be, so this would be cable in and, and, uh, broadcast from Nielsen and, uh, this, I don't know, you would have to help me on how accurate this normally is when the final rating comes out. I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked because guess what? There's a slide for that. Um, so here's <laughs> the differences. Uh, people watching on video right now can see. Uh, if we talk, if we just look at P2 plus, which is total viewership, the difference. So, um, I'm searching for a word other than conspicuously because I've been using it a lot. Um, for whatever reason, there have been, uh, weekly reports of fast nationals throughout the month of October for Rampage, somewhat for SmackDown too. Uh, so the, the difference in total viewership for, for Rampage looking at the fast national against what we eventually learn, the final rating has been, the final rating has been 5% higher, 8% higher, 5% higher. Um, this is old. This is an old version of this. No, it's not. Yeah, that, that's the extent. So we don't know. We'll know on Monday what the, what the final is. So it's been between five and eight percent lower, roughly speaking, because the math is different when you're talking about lower versus higher. But anyway, uh, the, the final has been five to eight percent higher. Now the demo has been less predictable. We've got two cases where we've known the fast national in the demo and then of course known the, the fast national, or then of course known the demo in the, in the final. And it's been 4% higher on the final. And then in another week, the demo was 15% higher. This is this, um, no, it wasn't. I was going to say this was the week where it went against FS1, but it was not. So big range of, of volatility there, but the lesson seems to be that the, the final ends up being substantially higher. Uh, and similar is the case for SmackDown too. It was 6% higher in total viewership, 9% higher in total viewership. And, uh, the one, yeah, the one demo rating that we have on a fast national for SmackDown, which was October 8th, it was 14% higher in the final rate. So lots of volatility there when you're trying to predict the demo. But what I found when looking at the fast affiliates, which are the regular, normal, this is my makeup, by the way, I'm, as I gesture here. I'm wearing a little bit of concealer today. Um, the fast affiliates are pretty consistent. They're consistently about 5 to 8%, I'm sorry, 5 to 6% higher in total viewership. I don't really bother trying to figure out the demo because the information that we get in the fast affiliate for, for the demo is to the tenths place. Following all that, the tenths place. Yes. Anyway, move, moving on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, and, and if we want to kind of talk about this, uh, the fast nationals, uh, o- alert here, uh, from, we had a tweet from Alfred Kanua. Yes. For SmackDown. Uh, and Forbes. yeah, he's saying 2.101 mil up 4% from last week and 18 to 49 at 684,000 up 15% from October 8th and number one on TV. 
and then we'll talk about the rampage rating and then we can kind of talk about the second part of that, of that tweet there. But, uh, rampage, this is where we have preliminary data as well. Uh, Brandon is projecting 550,000 to P2 plus with a 0.29 and 18 to 49. Uh, that is, uh, slightly down for P2 from last week with 538, but up in the 18 to 49, uh, with 0.24. So, uh, probably that half an hour maybe helped, uh, with no half hour competition, maybe help with the 18 to 49 rating there. But, uh, yeah, it, you're true. looking at the, over the last four weeks though, it has been down 7% in the, uh, 18 to 49, which is. Yeah. Well, cause the, the bundle of four weeks in the trail here are, are the, the back end of, of rampage settling down into whatever it's going to settle down into. So it's, I, I mean, the, the first two months or so of, of rampage have been this cooling period. And there's been, there's been baseball competition in there as well. But, but a lot of it, I think, is just initial excitement about the new program and then that settling off. And, uh, Alfred Kanua uh, on his tweet said, uh, Rampage 515,000, uh, down 11% from last week, 18 to 49. Yeah, he's predicting 272,000 down 13% from the 15th. He's not predicting. He, he's or the first. Yeah. The first, the fast nationals, yes. Smackdown so these are fast. These, these are fast nationals that he's reporting that would be from Nielsen. I'm taking these numbers and saying, okay, according to what the differences have been in the past versus the final, this is what I expect for the final. Because I think it's fine to report fast nationals. I think it needs the context of if we're thinking of because all we're comparing this to in our in our history is is the final ratings. So what what is this going to be for a final rating? Is what I'm trying. Go. And, uh, just w- one note too. He said that SmackDown doubled Rampage in 18 to 49 in its return to Fox, which, I mean, it's, it's kind of expected as far as with it being a broadcast network versus a cable network and in time slot wise too. Yeah. All right. Any, any other thing, uh, anything on Rampage that you want to touch? I don't think so. Um, not really. We, I, I did a whole program on Monday. Right Monday on the the thirty minute war that's on YouTube um, where we talked about all all of the the, the head to head stuff we have the head to head slide here that we can we can put on the screen real quick I don't know if there's any anything interesting that stands out here but um, basically the re- so this is not this most recent Friday but now two Fridays ago uh, the image on the screen right now shows the thirty minutes where the two programs did run head to head and uh, SmackDown well ahead in total viewership. But Rampage uh, has a 15% lead in the demo, 328 to 285,000. Um, so uh, Rampage ahead on every demo within the demo that we have spliced out here, except for women, 35 to 49. All right. And uh, as we talk about it next week, SmackDown will be back on FS1 uh, for the World Series. That's right. As we are now going into the... Uh, the uh, World Series, which uh, the Atlanta Braves advanced for the National League last night as we're recording this. Yes. And the LCS. What happened in the LCS? Uh, the Houston Astros yes. advanced, defeating in, the Boston Red Sox. In in what game? What game number? I don't have that number on top of that. Game I, six. I told you, game six. Game six, which meant that there's no game seven. Where was Game 7 supposed to air? It was supposed to air Friday night. It was supposed On what network? On Fox. On Fox. 
So, open time slot at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. What else airs on at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, at least on this particular weekend? Saturday Night Dynamite on TNT. So, what ended up happening is this. Go ahead and tell us about it. All right, so we found this out. And I think th- this came down the pike Saturday morning, if I remember. Yes, that the first I heard Fox will... Yeah, Fox was going to air an encore presentation of SmackDown with a special look at that large scale international event. Uh, and that was going to air at eight o'clock. Uh, so in, in, uh, in, I'm sorry, an encore of what they aired on Friday night there at eight o'clock. So, uh, it, uh, very interesting, but hey, they're not in competition, Brandon, with AEW. They don't acknowledge it's not, they're not in competition. No, they, they just, you know what they figured. Why not give the fans? Give them an encore on Saturday. Yeah, probably, probably just a coincidence. So, what we have here <laughs> on the screen is the fast affiliate for that Saturday, which is this is according to um, Nielsen via Spoiler TV. Yeah. So, yeah. So, six hundred thirteen thousand is what I uh, would be. So, so yeah. Is what I'm projecting. So the 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 real fast affiliate number is five hundred seventy eight thousand. If you tack on, and I don't know if this is going to be different, a different. Delta here because, um, because it's a, a different kind of audience, maybe it's, it's just replaced. So it's not maybe the normal kind of audience. But anyway, if we tack 6% onto this, which is usually the difference between the fast affiliate and the final rating for SmackDown, it ends up being 613,000. Um, if we look at our spreadsheet, our big spreadsheet, which patron, which, uh, patrons have access to at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, uh, Dynamite last week in the same time slot, Saturday night at eight. It's 727,000 viewers. Um, that would be substantially higher. That would be higher by about, by over 100,000 viewers than 613. Um, was there more competition though on Saturday night? Was there a baseball game on, on, uh, last night? Yeah. T- TBS had the, the Braves game. Okay. Was there basketball? Was there anything else on TV? Uh, I mean, there, I'm sure there was basketball, NHL. Well, but in any event, or maybe college just, football. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe there was less interest in, in TNT. This number, uh, these numbers could be quite close, but we'll find out, uh, the Saturday ratings on Tuesday morning. So we get the, everything is sort of delayed by a day in, in Nielsen world, one business day. Um, so we get the, we have the weekend ratings on Tuesday. So we'll find out about that and I'll be tweeting about that Tuesday morning, probably. So I'll get an extra, I'll get an extra Tuesday. Uh, early day tweet storm. So there's that. Uh, what was also advertised during Dynamite last night? Yeah, Dynamite is back. When live on Wednesday, starting this week here. Uh, I I found it interesting though from your uh, little graph that it would start later on Mountain Time. Yes, 10 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, so I haven't totally thought this through. This means that, so at, at 8 p.m. Eastern, it is 5 yes. p.m. Pacific. Yes, yeah. And on the West Coast, in normal situations, Dynamite doesn't even air live on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the TNT West Coast feed. TNT basically does their schedule as if in that time zone. Unless it's sports, though, right? Like, they're not... First yeah, all, live sports, yes. First of yeah. all, the reason why this is happening is because of hockey, I believe, right? I would imagine. I'm wondering if TNT has a Colorado Avalanche game that day 
And that's why that mountain standard time is so late. Why don't you look that up if you can? Um, but so dynamite is going to air at 10 PM in the Pacific time zone at 11 PM mountain, which you would think it would be the other way around, right? 10 mountain. I don't know. Anyway, it's going to air later. Uh, we're probably going to see a reflection of that in the rating. Um, I asked, I don't believe this has ever happened before for dynamite. I don't think there's any comparison to look at to say, okay, well, last time it was down about this much. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any comparison for this. So your guess is as good as mine here. You're like, what percentage of the country are, are in, in the mountain and Pacific time zones? And then, then figure how much of a percentage is it going to cost, cause on the, um, on the rating? I don't know. Uh, 10 to 20%. What do you got? So yeah, the NHL on TNT schedule be, at 10 o'clock Eastern is that Flyers Oilers. And I believe Edmonton is a mountain time zone. So that would make a lot of sense. Um, yes. And we could talk to you here about, um, the TV ratings that the NHL has been doing. What about I have here? Yeah. Since, so the NHL is, has had now its first, uh, broadcasts on TNT. Um, and what we're showing on the screen now are all the original telecasts uh, for the month of October through the 21st of October. So that's through last Thursday. Uh, this is ranked by PT and 49. This is, I think this is everything that has made the daily top 150 for TNT in the last, in these 21 or, yeah, I think it's 21 days. Um, and I guess that, I'm guessing this is the very first uh, NHL game on TNT at 7.40 p.m. on the 13th, which was a Wednesday. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which did a 0.32. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I tweeted about this. It did a 0.32. This is the Rangers and the Capitals, if I remember right. Definitely says Rangers here. Did a 0.32 in the demo in Dynamite's time slot, which is lower than what Dynamite usually does on Wednesday. Um, the, the previous Wednesday, where it did a fairly low rating for what it does normally, did a 0.37 on the 6th. That's Dynamite. So again, a 0.37 for Dynamite on the sixth following week, preempted NHL in its place, very similar time slot, a little bit earlier, a little bit later than Dynamite, 0.32. Um, so, and we also have some, some other NHL airings here on TNT that had 0.17, a 0.17, uh, another one at, uh, at 10, did a 0.15. Suffice to say, Dynamite does better ratings in the demo, and I think even, even in total viewership than, than the NHL does. We might have talked about this last week, but nonetheless, uh, the NHL is getting the preferential treatment when it comes to the time slot, both in terms of preempting Dynamite out of its slot. Yeah, I know Dynamite's on its way to TBS in January, but NHL clearly is the favorite child here. They get the preference for, for the time slot. And when it comes to what's going to happen on Wednesday, uh, they're, they're pushing the, the Pacific and Mountain time zones, uh, into I guess you'd call that a preemption. So a little bit later. Um, but again, the NHL is probably more valuable as a property in terms of ad rates and perhaps in terms of the carriage fees that it can drive for Turner. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Cause I do want to, I have a, a chart that I want to show. Oh, I mean, it, when you bring up just it being more of an, a, attractive to advertisers that that really is one of the big thing that's haunted wrestling forever is when it comes to it a at least top four sports is gonna have advertisers better advertising rates so your your nfl your college football college basketball nba nhl and mlb 
they're all going to have better advertisements. I don't know how the secondary sports go as far as when it comes to like tennis and golf and uh, like like car racing. I imagine NASCAR. Well, NASCAR might have similar because it's definitely similar markets in a lot of ways. So I've been trying to build a, a spreadsheet that I will continue to work on. Uh, but I'm putting together sort of what are the, the current and recent deals for sports TV rights fees. And what we have for the NHL on, on Turner is they're getting a $225 million deal on an average annual basis with Disney slash ESPN. It's $400 million on an average annual basis. Um, I'm doing sort of a rough count of the number of games they're getting for this per year. And this is including playoffs. Turner is getting about 114 games. ESPN is getting about 118 games. So a way I want to think about this is if you divide that per game, per episode, right? You're getting about $2 million per game. Turner is paying about $2 million per NHL game. And ESPN is paying about $3 million per game. Yes. I think that's skewed a little bit, though, uh, because a lot... So you have your ESPN on NHL and ESPN games, but then they're also putting games up on ESPN Plus. I th- I think they're mainly putting games in ESPN Plus, isn't that? Okay, that's, so that's kind of what I read. Somebody who knows more about what's happening there could correct us. That's what I read. Is I don't know that they're primarily even airing on ESPN. Maybe they already have. I, I did watch opening open opening night. Uh, they had like the Seattle Kraken versus Las Vegas, and then uh, I think it was Pittsburgh and is it, is this the Pittsburgh first season for the Seattle Kraken. Yes, yes. There uh, is this a brand new expansion team, or is this a, a team that moved? Uh, this is a brand new expansion team. Seattle has never had an NHL team. Uh, like a hundred something years ago, they did. Did Seattle exist? <laughs> yeah. something years ago. Uh, so anyway, what, what I wanted to uh, think about and compare here: two. It looks like about two million dollars per game. For um, it was, but even if, regardless of whether these games are on ESPN, the mothership, or ESPN Plus, it's still this much money, this many games, right? Yes, and then uh, you're all right. It's a primarily ESPN Plus package, but it looks like on Tuesdays, at least this upcoming week, there is a game on ESPN, which is Vegas and Colorado. What's, what's the Las Vegas hockey team? The oh, the Golden Knights. <laughs> they 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 really support that hockey team out there. Believe it or not, it's uh, being on Vegas. They've been seeing it like people really love their Golden Knights hockey. And I think a lot of it is to do with it was the first professional sports team, like major league sports team in the city. Before the Raiders. Um, Yes, they were before the Raiders. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. When I stopped playing video games, this is is the extent of my uh, sports knowledge. Whenever I stopped playing sports video games. Uh, So, two million per NHL game on TNT, roughly. And maybe there's shoulder programming involved in this, but I think we can get something out of this. This has something to do. Three million per game, per NHL game on ESPN. Per episode of AEW on TNT. Now I'm just saying dynamite. You could say, you could double this. Is it 52 weeks? There's 104 weeks now because now I got Rampage. But anyway, if we just say, let's say per week, okay? 52 weeks in a year. Per week, it's, just over $800,000. I got this rounded over here in this, in this column. If you're looking at this on video, it's got this rounded to the nearest million. But even if you say a million, it's still, you know, the NHL properties are still, they're, they're paying on a per game slash per week slash per episode basis twice as much for the NHL, which is probably reflected 
in value, in value somehow and probably add fees and probably what they think or are getting, uh, via carriage, carriage fees for being able to broadcast NHL games. All right. Uh, and if you, we're going to move back should, to real quick, we should mention, well, well, how does, how does WE compare in that sort of per week per episode breakdown? Four million for SmackDown, five million for Raw. So in a sense, Raw and SmackDown are more valuable, are more expensive than the NHL on a per game basis with at least this methodology. So it raises the question, well, if Turner was paying more, and let's say we're four years from now, where perhaps Turner is paying more in the next round or whatever, let's say Turner re-signs the deal and with a major upgrade for AEW, let's say 4X. Now we're at like 4 million per episode for AEW or per week for AEW. And maybe then, maybe then the preemption story is different. I don't know. But um, it's all kind of moot, I guess, because Dynamite's probably going to go to TBS and, I mean, it's going to go to TBS and probably stay there. Um, But Rampage is going to stay on TNT where it's probably immune from preemption. Moving on. All right. Uh, Yeah, so moving on... uh we're going to go uh, back to the rings report and talk about Monday Night Raw. Uh, f- so this past Monday, October 18th, 1.59 million with a 0.39 of the 18 to 49. That's down, uh, slightly from the, uh, 11th with 1.58 and 0.42. Uh, but here looking at your, uh, um, your trends here, uh, Brandon, over four weeks, the 18 to 49 has gone down 19%. And now Monday Night Football obviously is probably the biggest cause of that. But that's a that's a very huge dip uh, for the eighteen forty nine. It's it's been a preponderance of, of sports um, telecasts happening right now. I heard someone say, um, Brandon Ross on the Late Show Podcast Impact. This is uh, one or two of the days recently, maybe more than one, um, is one of the very few times in history where there has been. Um, games that are not preseason or exhibition games all on the same day for the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and baseball all broadcast on the same day. Um, so this is not normal sports competition that they're facing. Nonetheless, we can, we can say that if we, uh, I'm looking in the spreadsheet now, I'm going to sort the raw P1849 ratings that we have from smallest to largest. And what we will find is that this was the smallest 18 to 49 audience in the history, probably in the history of Monday Night Raw. Uh, 514,000 viewers again. Uh, that comes out to a 0.39 demo rating. Uh, a demo rating that, that, uh, AEW has surpassed on a, on a handful of occasions. Um, we don't, I say probably, uh, the lowest ever. I don't, I only have demo, uh, 1849 viewership numbers going back to, 2011. Um, I can't imagine there was a lower number than this, even in the early nineties. But if that information is out there, hopefully someone would pass it along, but most likely this is the lowest in the demo ever. Uh, we'll probably be up this week. Uh, unless, uh, but I don't know. There's probably no, there's probably still going to be baseball competition, right? There's still going to be, if if anything, the world series coming up. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they can go lower than this. Um, yeah, let's look up the World Series TV schedule because I think it does matter what's going on here this week. But with the with the West Coast and and Mountain Time uh, preemptions, we will 
Raw will probably avoid a unfavorable comparison against Dynamite this week. I would I would guess just to take a random sort of guess, something in the low 0.30 range for for Dynamite, something in the in the high 0.30 range for for Raw. So Raw is probably safe from that uh, comparison this week. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, they're going to get lucky for Raw because there will be no World Series games on Monday with the schedule. Uh, we're looking at Tuesday night for game one, Wednesday night for game two, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday for game three, four, and five, and then Tuesday and Wednesday of next week for six and seven. Okay. So, but there's still obviously Monday night football. Is there NBA? Is there NBA on Monday? Probably not. Monday's not an NBA night. Um, there's no, unless it was the playoffs or something, right? Yeah. Not a main network night. I'm sure like for the NBA league pass and stuff, but. All right. And uh, I don't know if you want to kind of talk about where Raw is in the uh, original telecast for the top 150. Sure. We can talk. So just how we looked at TNT earlier. And by the way, uh, Rose to the Top is sort of in the middle or lower half of the middle of these these programs. There's a few dozen of them here. Uh, Rose to the Top, uh, we'll talk about it later. There, it's only a six-episode season, I guess. So that's, I think they just aired their season finale last night or something. I did watch quite a bit of it. Have you, have you watched an episode of Rose to the Top yet? Uh, I've only seen a, uh, a clip, uh, or two. Uh, <laughs> I know I, I have to, I have I'm to watching. do watch, but, uh, a, a friend of ours was on the clip, uh, uh, Kevin Bennett. And I joked that I was going to announce him as, as seen on Rose to the Top. Yeah. Kevin Bennett. <laughs> Roads to the Top superstar. What was, how did he yes. end up on Roads to the Top? She's, she, uh, so Brandy's next to Leva Bates talking to a couple people. And like, he's in like the background, like laughing at whatever joke she made next to Luther. <laughs> um, so I'm watching this episode last night. And this is centering around Cody taking his boots off after the match with Malachi Black, retiring afterwards, having this conversation with Tony Khan. In the room where they have the, the couch that has the same pillows that my couch has, um, and and Cody acting like he's going to stay out longer than maybe they had previously discussed. It's it, I can't tell to what extent this is a work or not, or if they're just it. It, it very much strikes me as a real. I know mean, I know everybody's going to say well, all reality shows are sort of predetermined and scripted, but I, I don't know how much is. Uh, Enhanced for TV or not. But, but anyway, uh, the USA Network programs. Where are they? Here they are. The top three cable originals. I don't know about reruns. Can't tell you about Law and Order or the NCIS replays. Um, but WWE Entertainment are the top three. I, I consolidated the three hours because I know Nielsen reports one row for one hour, but I've averaged them all up. I, I spent hours in Python this week. People, people don't know how much time I spend in Python. Do you know what Python is, Chris Gullo? Do you even know what Python is? Uh, I mean, you've talked a lot about it to me, but it, it's from, from what I understand, it's a program where you can kind of put data together, and it's a, it's a, language. a very high artificial intelligence with data. Actually, maybe it's a program, too. But it's definitely a language. And then I guess there's a program, too, that you use to execute the, the, the code that you write. But yeah, anyway, with a lot of work and trouble and just working out bugs. This this is what it looks like. The top three programs on USA in the demo, or total viewership for that matter, are Monday Night Raw. Uh, 
After that, we've got Chrisley Knows Best. After that, we've got the Premier League. Even more Chrisley Knows Best. There is an episode of Chucky that tied NXT in the demo. Uh, not the episode that was immediately following NXT. What am I trying to say here? The, the, the Chucky episode, which I think is the first Chucky episode on the 12th, right? Cause the other yes. The, the second episode was this past week. So, right. So the first one was on the 12th. Did a 0.13 demo. Um, it's lead in NXT that same night. Did a 0.15. So, so the bigger program NXT did serve as a, as a lead in for Chucky. But cutting it close. Um, we'll talk about Chucky when we talk about the NXT rating. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if anyway, you know what I'm alluding to, but, but anyway, the moral of the story, why, why I prepared these tables today. And this is, this is another table here. <laughs> I don't know if, how easy this is to read because it's, it's a fairly big table, but this is September 2021, the entire month, the top cable originals. When you exclude NFL and college football, NFL and college football dominates cable. So what I did was I just excluded all the, the cable, or I'm sorry, all the college and all the NFL programs that I could. This might not be perfect, but this is my attempt at it. And and to say, all right, you, you exclude football, again, pro and college. What's what's leading on cable? And it's it's The Walking Dead, Rick and Morty, and wrestling. That's what's dominating this list, um, and more wrestling than the others. You know, just just to read off, let's say the top one, two, three, four, five, six or so. Raw, Dynamite, Walking Dead, Raw, Walking Dead, 90 Day Fiance, AEW Dynamite. And I'm going to go further. There's two episodes of Rick and Morty. So, um, I know there's, there's some people who are concerned about was, is, is wrestling's popularity declining? Well, WWE's popularity has declined on a, on a really macro basis over the last four or five years. I think there's a preponderance of metrics that will tell you that. Not, not saying anything about their financial state, which is in the opposite direction. Thanks to the value of their meteorites fees. But, uh, what's dominating cable? What's doing really well on cable other than football right now? And, and if we were looking at, uh, the entire month of October, uh, year to date, we would see a lot of baseball as we see right here. Is this, uh, okay. We see a lot of baseball. We see, see, uh, some NBA. And then we start to see The Walking Dead, The Real Housewives of Better Beverly Hills, and WWE, 90 Day Fiance, Raw. This does, this wouldn't include SmackDown because SmackDown is broadcast, but then Dynamite. So, and then the NHL doesn't even show up until we've seen a couple episodes of Raw and then one episode of Dynamite in a month where Dynamite was only in its regular time slot one time so far. Um, moral of the story is wrestling does really well on cable, both WWE and AEW. Wrestling may or may not be getting more popular. WWE has gotten less popular since about 2016 or 17. Maybe it's at least stabilizing now. Maybe it's growing, whatever. But wrestling does really well on cable and wrestling's media rights values have never been in a better place. Wrestling's never really been in a better place financially in terms of being efficient. Question I have for you, Brandon, as we're talking about this is, you know, you, you bring up cable. Well, we do have the, the national telecast, uh, 18 to 49 for on Fox. And how does SmackDown, how does wrestling on a broadcast network? That's right. Our, our producers did, did uh, prepare that as well. So Fox is, is a more challenging network to compare yourself to other programs in. Fox is in far more homes and Fox is probably, you know, just spending more aggressively. And guess what dominates uh, Fox in October? Of course, it's football. Uh, so we've got lots of Sunday football. There have been simulcasts uh, of Thursday football. Um, but uh, 
And I think there's, there's more that makes this list than what we're showing right now. We're showing something like 20 or 30 slots here and two episodes of SmackDown finish in the lower half. Um, but, uh, it, it does better than all but football, of course. An episode of The Simpsons that had a, an NFL lead-in. The Masked Singer, uh, an ALCS game. 911. don't know what that is, but I see it in the rankings all the time. An episode of The Great North. A lot of these Sunday programs, though, you'll notice a lot of these, these non-football programs are also on Sunday because they probably had an NFL lead-in. Um, Big Noon Saturday, that's co- college football pregame, I think. And Bob's Burgers, also a Sunday program at 9. Probably had an NFL audience lead-in. So... SmackDown does pretty well too. Maybe maybe Fox is a little bit disappointed in the, in the ratings that SmackDown is producing, but relative to other programming, wrestling does really well. And I think it's still obviously I, I don't make I don't I'm not a witness to negotiations or anything, but best I can tell, wrestling is still a really good value, especially compared to what you would have to replace it with, which would be you know in most cases scripted programming that would be you know and would be two hours long in the case of SmackDown. And that would that would cost several million dollars to replace, and uh, but wrestling is giving you a pretty good rating for you know in the case of SmackDown like four million dollars an episode, just a pretty good deal. And uh, just to answer your question on nine one one, it is a drama that focuses on first responders, dispatchers, uh, and uh, it's starring Angela Bassett and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Doesn't like uh, CBS or some other. Broadcast network have like a they do they do the police the EMTs and the fire all in the same Chicago Chicago, that's right. Chicago fire Chicago Med Chicago I think it's Chicago PD that's what yes I, I, I bet P fifty plus loves that well they love their blue bloods we know this that's true I think this is what I've always thought should be the case I think you should on, on the Patreon of course this has got to be monetized. You should do a review of all these other programs that we talk about peripherally <laughs> and tell us how good they are. And it's kind of funny. It maybe just shows how my tastes are. The the current like cable programs that I watch, we never discuss. <laughs> they're, they're never, they're never even the talk. Like, what you like I watch what we do in the shadows and uh, American horror story and, and uh, career what enthusiasm. We just it's never hear about. No, uh, what we do in the shadows is FX. Um, say. have you watched Squid Game? I have not. My wife has. I, I, I watched a little I, bit of it when she was watching the Squid it. Game soundtrack. Yeah, yes. The other day. Yes. Uh, I have watched Squid Game. Yeah, uh, it's very well uh, well received from what I hear. I mean, I watched a little bit of it when she was watching it, but extremely violent, but uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Put it, put it out. All right. So, uh, moving back out of the ratings. Uh, oh, there's more ratings. NXT. Uh, 606,000 to P2 plus with a 0.49 and 18 to 49. That's, uh, down from last week with 630 in the P2, 0.15 and 18 to 49. Uh, pretty much no change in 18 to 49 over the last four weeks, uh, w- with, uh, your statistics here. Uh, but, uh, so this is next week. This is where I wanted to talk about it. Next week's the Halloween Havoc episode. Yes. And good old crossover on the USA network, Chucky. Is going to be on NXT. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, dead, dead serious. And if he does not do a segment with Braun Breaker, I, 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 do, I think it's just, why do it? <laughs> why do it then? This is this is like the TV gods trying trying to send a message. 
to tell you something. I think you're, I felt like you were speechless for a minute. For people, people may not know, what is the significance of Chucky in the wrestling lore? <laughs> and this is where people don't, people like, and I myself always had the belief that this was a Vince Russo thing in WCW, but no, this is before Vince Russo. This is Eric Bischoff in charge. Really? Yes. I thought so too, but then going back and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, and basically Chucky interrupted Rick Steiner. Yes. Chucky interrupted Rick Steiner and, uh, popped up, uh, on an episode of Nitro and Rick got really mad. And then we never saw anything from him ever again. Chucky, like, it was October 12th, 1998. You're seeing the same thing I am. That's when they're just on top of the world. (laughs) That's that's before Goldberg drops the title to to Nash at Starcade. Goldberg is Goldberg is the man right at that moment. Remember, like Chucky is like, come on, he's like challenging him to a video screen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, calling him a chump or something. (laughs) It's oh man, this is one of those things that like you can see people don't know wrestling, but are like executives thinking this is a great idea. Integration. Wow. Cross promotion. Oh, awesome idea. All right. Go, go take care of it. Uh, you, you figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> Chucky should probably be in the WWE Hall of Fame then, because this would be a second celebrity appearance. Usually it takes two, and then you're in. Fair. fair. Celebrity wing, Chucky. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about NXT? No, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it'll be meaningful to see whether. This can pop a rating. Halloween Havoc last year did a, did a really nice rating for NXT relative to what it had been doing in the surrounding weeks. It was, it was its highest number for a long time after, and maybe it's, I'd have to look, but it, it did a really good rating. Um, will this do anything? Do people care enough to, uh, to, to tune in beyond the normal audience? Uh, I've, I've had the NXT on. That's what I'm going to refer to it as the NXT. Uh, and it's, I've, I've, you know, I definitely haven't watched it closely. But I've heard there's some green people in the ring. Uh, yeah, I don't, um, I don't have much hope for this version of NXT. Uh, the median age, which we can show on the screen now. The explicit purpose of the, of this program, the explicit intent, uh, is for this to attract a younger audience. I've, I've heard that. Other people have heard that and reported it. Uh, if we look at median, median age, let's go 100%. Uh, that's, that's what the median age looks like over the last six, I don't know, five months or so. And, and who's got the oldest program of the six programs that we track across WWE, AEW, and Impact Wrestling? NXT. Has it gotten younger since NXT 2.0? No. It's gotten older. Because, uh, this, it's not a program that's especially interesting to young people. Uh, I, th- I think the, I don't know. The old version of NXT had its own issues, but uh, this is this isn't this isn't a remedy. I mean, there's you can you can quantify that. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as Halloween Havoc, what would draw people in? You got Ciampa versus Braun Breaker, uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus Mandy Rose for the uh, women's championship, and the spin the wheel, make the deal match. Uh, is, is Bill tag Watts titles, MSK and Imperium. I, th- I think you know what, Bill Watts. I think if we're gonna go to Bruce Pritchard and whatnot and relaunch this thing. <laughs> Why not just what's what's Bill doing these days? <laughs> just you know, this seems like a job that he'd be up to. Up to Jerry Jarrett, call Jerry, Jerry Jarrett, Jarrett up. Yeah, and, and at least you know, 
I, I don't know if there's any torch talks that, that Jerry Jarrett uh, looks bad <laughs> in, but maybe, maybe he's a better option than Bill Watts. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then just uh, the MSK versus Imperium and a mystery of a mystery superstar will be in via veiled or whatever. So whatever that means. So that's what they're trying to draw people in. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. What is happening? It's crossover. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right. Uh, we don't have to really, we already talked about the dynamite rating with the 727,000.28. Uh, we talked about the roads at the top recap, but yeah, it did 340. Well, this is October 16, 340,000 with 0.14 and 18 to 49. Uh, impact. Uh, this was the, the go home show for Bound for Glory did ninety three thousand with a point oh two and eighteen to forty nine. So uh, up in the P two from eighty nine last week, which was you know one of their lowest, but uh, eighteen to forty nine down because they were point oh three. Yeah. And, and look at the comparisons um, on the far right versus the last four. It's it's pretty yeah forty two percent in eighteen to forty nine. I mean. With, with impact, I always say we've got a, a much smaller audience than the other programs we talk about. This sample is going to be very volatile. But yeah, impact ratings have not been good lately. This was something like the fourth lowest impact total viewership ever. Uh, they were going against uh, a lot of sports competition, um, including, I can, I can look here, Thursday. Uh, they were going against a football game, of course, on, on both Fox and the NFL Network. They're going against uh, the NLCS game uh, at 8 on TBS. Uh, an NBA game at 10 was the Clippers and the Warriors. So that, that was not competing. Uh, but there was a Mavericks Hawks game that did a, did a 0.42 in the demo. I think there might've been NHL here too. It wasn't. Okay. Anyway, a lot of competition. And, and like, I, I'm trying to do these measurements too. I don't know if you've seen this goal. These are, these are in the, the Patreon sometimes lately. Uh, this chart right here where I'm trying to count up all of the competition that occurred in, in the slot from eight to 10 and saying, well, how strong was the competition? This is what it's intended to do is measure how strong the competition was for a given week versus what's happened in the recent past. And this was on the stronger side for sure. All right. And uh, we'll see, uh, you know, uh, they have been hyping it up. Minoru Suzuki is calming impact. So, We'll see if those episodes uh, maybe do any. What's up? Who is Minoru Suzuki going to wrestle? I, they have not said. They've just been airing vignettes that he's coming uh, to uh, Impact. Him and Josh Alexander would be good. Yeah. Jo- Josh Alexander was the Impact champion for about uh, one gonna, minute last night. Spoilers. Spoilers. Ask. but No, I don't already Yes. He won the but, title uh, from Christian yes. and then immediately yeah. lost it to Moose. Yes, because Moose won the Call Your Shot gauntlet earlier in the, the, in the, in the uh, night. So it's basically a Money in the Bank type deal. Not a big fan of Money in the Bank. No. By the way, Kiss, the Kiss Demon came back last night. Right. Chucky is coming, and the Kiss Demon is back. <laughs> it's Halloween, man. This might be a dream. All the, spoo- might be living all the spooky characters. <laughs> all the spooky characters are coming back. Yeah, nobody's um, doing anything with the RoboCop IP right now. That's probably on the cheap side. I, I, yeah, I think like if Stones, I remember, so TK didn't right have there. Him in a who, who owns the RoboCop IP? Does Warner oh, Media own that? I think so. But if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, didn't Conrad Thompson get RoboCop to be in a Starcast? 
Yes. The, the, the yes. He was with Sting. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised to see. Uh, I've been, I guess, watching the commercials more closely lately. That uh, the movie Spencer about Princess Diana um, that was being advertised during at least Rampage on Friday, which was intriguing to me. Like, I, I know very little about how advertisements ultimately get placed. It wouldn't jump to mind to me if I was going to a- expect a movie to be advertised during um, during Rampage that it would be a, this, um, you know, a- a- award, this po- possibly award-winning, award-nominated movie about Princess Diana. Prestige. Yeah, I mean, that that's a little bit of surprising placement, but you know, uh, this is there's very similar program to that uh, the Crown on Netflix, which is extremely popular. So maybe they're they're now, hoping they think it they just blast it. Like, it does Warner Media does this like Warner Brothers movie? It, it doesn't look to be like does Warner Media have a stake in this? And that's kind of oh yeah, well it ended up on a turn network, but no, it doesn't look like it to me. To mine, best I can. Anyway, we're an hour into this thing. We've not even started talking about New Japan. No. Um, well, we'll finish off with Dark Side of the Ring here. Uh, the XPW episode, the Rob Black uh, XPW episode, 109,000 in the P2 plus with a 0.05 in 18 to 49. Uh, that is down from 135 in the P2 plus and a 0.06 in 18 49. And down, even though Rob Black projected it while also tagging you on Twitter that it was going to be the highest viewed in the demo of all the Dark Side of the Rings. Yes. Um, and it was not. It was not. Uh, where did it place? Uh, so, pull it up here. If we if we look, um, so, in total viewership, it was last. And in the 18 to 49, as well as it was last. Uh, the FMW episode in the demo was lower. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but it looks like this was at least it was roughly tied for the second lowest, at least in a demo rating. I do have this. I do have this by viewers. I think it may be like the third lowest in the demo out of, out of the, what is this? 20 some odd episodes, probably 20, 30 episodes that there have been of the series so far in its history since 2019. Um, we've, we've talked about the narrative is the second half of, uh, dark side of this season is not really performed well. Um, I don't see any major changes, but I, w- I wonder if next year's topics will be more mainstream because my theory is, there, is, is be oh, we'll see. I mean, they've been, they, 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 they're, on, they're on Thursday. They have like, we just discussed with impact. They were going against a lot of sports competition in the, this entire latter, latter half of the season was September onward. So it was all going against the NFL as, as Golo shows us his forehead. Oh, so- <laughs> Sorry, I was just trying to see if they've ever actually ran in the fall before, and this might be the first time. No, they looking at the been, episode, it's been April, May, March, April, May, June, September. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know how many more episodes we have left of this year. It might just be the steroid trial. That's I, next week. Is this is it? This is it. Physic Man, okay, versus the world. Um, by the way, I, I think we have uh, someone on the line here. I am a victim. There he is. Uh, he's next. Vince, the steroid trial is next. The 1994 Vincent <laughs> K. McMahon versus the United States. All right. Uh, you think it's time to switch gears a little bit here, Brandon? 
structure. And we'll get you right into it. The really a state of the update of the business of New Japan Pro Wrestling. A very interesting year for New Japan Pro Wrestling as COVID affected Japan probably more than it did the States over here is being more lockdowns and, and outbreaks just based on what they thought was, you know, uh, a dangerous surge in in COVID rates. So the business not normal. We've seen a lot of New Japan talents over in the States this year. I think more than most years, uh, especially with the New Japan Strong program. Been doing a lot of tapings on that. So it's been a very interesting year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Also the Roku deal, which we'll talk about in a second, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of run through this. But I do have to thank uh, Evan, Evan Deadly Sins. W on Twitter, uh, the, the New Japan expert, for, for pointing out to me, this is not exactly new information. This information that we're going to go through here is a f- couple months old, at least. Um, but as people may know, New Japan Pro Wrestling is a subsidiary of Bushi Road, which is a larger uh, entertainment and media company. They do a lot of stuff with anime. They are also the owners of, of now of Stardom as of a year or two ago. Um I don't really know well what, what all their businesses are, but they have a lot of a lot of different businesses. And New Japan is is a relatively small part of it, uh, less than the majority. So, but what we, we do end up learning every year uh, through the New Japan website. There's always like this URL on the New Japan website that that shows its um its balance sheet, which doesn't tell us what their revenue was, but it does tell us what their net income is. And we are showing what their net income is on the screen right now. Uh, by the way. New Japan has changed its fiscal year. So its fiscal year until most recently was ending in July. Now their fiscal year, and I think this is for all of Bushi Road, is ending in June. So this is a, a slightly out of whack, but, uh, net income for New Japan in the fiscal year ending the 12 months ending June 2021. So this is before the G1 climax for our worth. But for those 12 months, the net income was in U.S. dollars, of course, they're, they're dealing in Japanese yen, but I've converted this to U.S. dollars, about $60,000. I think it's, it actually comes out to like $55,000. So uh, for context, last year in the year ending July 2020, so that's, what is that, like four, four, about four months of COVID in that year, last year, about $1.85 million in net income. Net income is, is, a, is profit, basically. It is... After all the taxes and everything, this is what you got left. Uh, so 1.85 million in that year and the, and the year before that, totally before COVID, $4.35 million. Year before that, 4.9. So this is a, a quite profitable company. Um, we don't know revenue. We do know revenue, uh, we don't know revenue for the last couple of years. They used to publish that on New Japan's official website. They have stopped doing that since COVID, <laughs> probably for reasons, uh, because revenue is probably substantially lower. But suffice to say, it looks like New Japan made basically no money in the, in the 12 months ending June 2021. But they at least didn't lose money. I don't know if there's any government assistance involved in this or any government loans or whatever like we've had here in the United States. But New Japan didn't lose money, but it didn't make any money. But they're, they're doing okay enough in a, in a, in a really challenging time. Um, I wanted to look to, um, at, at the number of events that they've been running. They're, they're running more events. So this is in, in calendar years that we're looking at now, 182 events in the full year of 2020. I'm starting to question whether that's correct. Maybe I'm including some canceled events in here. (sighs) Anyway, I'll check on that later. I don't want to pull up a spreadsheet right now, but, um, 
So anyway, total attendance though we can talk about. It. We know that New Japan has been at limited capacity uh, since they, they, what they did was they stopped running events at the very end of, of February 2020. Uh, COVID hit uh, to the eastern country, eastern hemisphere countries before it hit the western hemisphere countries. So they they were dealing with it a bit earlier. So they did not run throughout March 2020 to the middle of July 2020. Total attendance in 2019, that full calendar year, was 464,000. Uh, that's according to the official website. Um, everything after the middle of 2015 seemed to be attendances that are close to reality. I would guess that this is not paid attendance. I would guess that you knock off about 10% of these numbers to get paid attendance, roughly. In any event, this is useful for comparison. Uh, 464,000 in the final year before COVID. And it had been growing on an annual basis for four years in a row before that. Nice, strong growth. And of course, in 2020, it falls in half, more than in half, to, uh, to 227,000. Uh, and in the full year, not the full year, but at, through October so far, we're at 156,000. So they might not make it to, to 2020's number, but then again, 2020's number has January and February that are normal pre-COVID years. Um, this is a table that probably wouldn't, wouldn't make for good audio to go through that shows um, what the trends are month by month. Um, and then we have average attendance and average attendance, of course, has been down too. So in 2020, maybe we'll just talk about 2021, 1,170 attendees is the average attendance that would, that would include things like, um, the Wrestle Kingdom events. So that's just to give you an idea of what, how many people they're putting in the building. Uh, in, in 2019, they were averaging 2,730. Why is, why is this asking to be updated? Oh, wow. This is median. So these numbers would be strongly skewed by the Wrestle Kingdom attendance. So if we do a median instead of a an average, and just think about what's the typical New Japan av- you know, attendance like, uh, one thousand seven hundred in twenty nineteen, about the same year before that in eighteen, and now it's down to just under seven hundred. So more than falling in half is you know under their limited capacity uh, during COVID, where we still don't have fans cheering. Um, I'll jump ahead to these just to look at what's the state of COVID in Japan versus other countries where there's lots of wrestling uh, cases. So, so what we have on the screen right now are the daily new confirmed cases per capita for the UK, United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, Mexico, Japan. And guess who's the lowest? Japan. Mm-hmm. Guess who's the most restrictive on, on wrestling events? Japan. <laughs> Japan. Um, that's cases. I mean, deaths are different. Now deaths are the lowest for Japan, two out of those countries. Um, but maybe deaths aren't what you should look at. What you should really look at is excess deaths, is what people say. Well, Japan's neck and neck with Australia in that category for the lowest. <clears throat> These are, this, this state is not available for Mexico, uh, excuse me, <coughs> for whatever reason. Um, and then vaccinations, people are vaccinated in Japan. More so than the United States at this point. Um, the U.S. is about 55% fully vaccinated. Uh, Canada has the world's most intelligent people. They are, they are the leading country out of these. Uh, they are over 70% fully vaccinated. And number two, they Japan. waited long enough. <laughs> Can- Canada did. Yeah, they waited a long time to be eligible for vaccinations because remember they had a very, uh, they didn't have enough for a long time while we were all getting them down here. Right. I remember hearing that. 
there was a problem with access to vaccines in Japan, but here's Japan is, is past the UK now for vaccine for percentage of the population fully vaccinated. So this is not like people vaccinated. There's all different populations. This is a percentage of the population vaccinated. So it, it, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm not really making a judgment here. I don't think, but like, it just, it's, it's remarkable that we have, that you have Japan that is more vaccinated than the United States, lower deaths per capita, way, you know, way lower deaths per capita, way lower cases per capita, way lower excess mortality. Yet we still have New Japan with limited capacity, people wearing masks, clapping only, cheering your hearts. Meanwhile, in the United States, full capacity. Yeah, wear your mask, but I don't think anybody's getting thrown out for, you know, tearing, pulling their mask down and screaming at the top of their lungs. So that's, that's uh, remarkable. Um, uh, so what we have to look at also are some slides from the Bushi Road Investor presentation um, showing... Is so. I think a good question here is: Well, how's Bushi Road doing? Is is the parent company of New Japan and Stardom? Uh, is is it profitable? And uh, it lost a little bit of money in uh, in the fiscal year of 2021. Uh, this is in yen, so I don't know what the conversion is off the top of my head. Can you can you convert this 280 million yen to U.S. dollars? Okay, let's see here. While, while you look that up. Um, Revenue is fairly stable for for uh, for Bushi Road. They're down down to what is this? I don't even know how to say these numbers. Thirty two thousand million yen. Go ahead. Uh, it is two point four six million U.S. So, so they lost two point about two and a half million. They lost about two million two and a half million dollars in the uh, in the eleven months ended June twenty twenty one. Whereas they were before, they were making. One and a half billion yen. How much is that? Let's see here. I would play the Jeopardy music, but I don't want to get demonetized. Not that uh, that would be uh, 13.2 million US dollars. So they went from 13.2 million dollars in what they call profit to a two and a half million dollar loss. Um, so the sports department, which at this point I understand is only New Japan and Stardom. This is, so I, I mentioned earlier, we don't know what the revenue is for New Japan, but this gives us, gives us a pretty good indication here. Um, this is by quarter, but if we look at this by, I thought I had this by year. This is by quarter, and this is more of a thing by quarter. Okay, but if we look, look, if we look at this by quarter, uh, the, the yellow, the sports division was making one and a half thousand million yen. So I guess that's one and a half billion yen, right? Um, and, but now in Q4, that's only two months, but the, the, the revenues in these, uh, in Q3 and Q4 2020, that's fiscal year. So I'm guessing that's the earliest part of the pandemic, uh, where, uh, revenues fell substantially from 1.8 billion yen down to 976 billion yen, 772 million yen. But then grew back up almost to where they were uh, in 2019. But there's an interesting tidbit in here. Is it on this slide? No, it's not. So I'm going to ask you, Rizcolo, how many subscribers okay. do you think New Japan World has? Oh, I don't know. I would say, let's say maybe maybe a hundred thousand. Good guess. So this slide, uh. Can you read this slide? Can you actually read it? 
do you see? Mm-hmm. Are you able to see it? See the words? Uh, nah, it's 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 blurry for me, but I believe I have do, that do, on do the slide. Do you need Russell headquarters to, uh, or are you a monitor, an external monitor? I think we're okay. I um, the, the, I, I have this graph though, the quarterly trend of uh, net sales by department. So what it says here is number of paid. This is when is this from? This is what the the. Yes, I can read that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number of paid subscribers of the uh, video streaming service in New Japan Pro Wrestling World reached 116,000, the highest ever. Yes. There had been reports. I think I've even put this in a, um, a, one of my annual reports, 120,000. So that's, I think, I think I call those estimates, fortunately. 116,000 as of January. So probably fell after January, given January is the month that contains Wrestle Kingdom, which is by far their biggest event, or we should say events at this point of the year. So it's probably lower than I would guess. I would guess it's lower than 116,000 now, but that's the peak. 116,000 subscribers, which is interesting, uh, because everything I can tell, and maybe New Japan Strong is helping. But is that their their U.S. interest or their non-Japan interest, their international interest is really diminished. And I, I guess I wanted to pull this up, too. If we can bring the Google Trends in here. This is uh, this is worldwide. And we should probably look at this in terms of Japan, too, if I just duplicate this and, and type Japan in here. Japan seems to be stable. And the stream, I've got tons of... Um, Tabs going here, but I think the stream is holding up just fine now that we have supercomputers involved. Um, so if we look at Japan, obviously there's this huge dip here uh, for, I mean, what's the bottom of it is May. That's that's in the, the middle of COVID for them, of the, their, their not running events portion of COVID. But after that, it picks, picks back up to basically where it was before in Japan. Um, in the United States, though, we see this, this peak... In January 2018, and the trend basically goes down after that. And I, I think the, the key event here is AEW, taking away Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, who were really big players in driving international interest in, uh, in, in New Japan. Um, and I think it's, they have a portion of a crowd. I mean, just like we saw all, all the, uh, the, the diminished interest in wrestling in the U.S. when there weren't crowds. There are crowds, but there's crowds that can only clap. So it's not the full experience. And maybe I'm projecting my own taste and response here, but I, I have very little interest in watching New Japan right now, knowing that it's it's clap crowds. I mean, credit to them for being safe, but at, in terms of like feeling like I have to watch it, I don't. And I mean, I think so. An interesting business strategy that New Japan has been doing is, and maybe they're trying to respark that international interest, is they have been kind of doubling down on working relationships in the United States and, the, and just being in the United States in general. We've saw New Japan strong and they did TV tapings in Long Beach and as well as Philadelphia and, Tech and Dallas. And they also did the resurgence event in Los Angeles at the Torch. And, you know, and we've seen over, you know, the, the, the last six months or so, we've seen Suzuki everywhere, <laughs> it seems like. Uh, but we've also seen Hukuo and El Phantasmo and Jay White and, uh, 
just and, and the list goes on and on and on. There's been probably a dozen or so New Japan pro talents that have been appearing not only on television shows but also on independents like Game Changer and Defy and others like West Coast Pro, for example. Yes. And I don't know if this is something they're just trying to get these guys more work because they know they're not running as many shows as possible, but yeah. Um, moving on to what what else we have to go through here. This is just a, a not a pie graph, but this is a, a donut graph showing that uh, the sports department, which again includes New Japan and Stardom, constituted in fiscal year 2020, 15% of the Bushiro business, and in 2021, 11 months ended, uh, 14%. So to give you an idea of how big of a piece is pro wrestling out of the, uh, the Bushiro business, it's about 15 14%. Uh, maybe it'll be more when... Uh, Events can have full capacity again, and they can drive uh, some more ticket revenue and, 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 and other revenues as well. Um, just to jump through these, uh, it's it's always informative to look at who they're putting on their slides. We actually get some wrestlers who appear on some Bushi Road slides. We have uh, they're celebrating the viewing environment in Japan. We got an image of Tanahashi, and then this image has Ibushi, Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, and uh, Hiromu. Uh, we've got Jay White over here in a group with Okada Tanahashi and Naito. Uh, we've got uh, Zack Sabre Jr. making it on, onto the, uh, the Roku channel along with Jay White, Okada, Ibushi, and Naito. Um, they're, they're putting over that they are in 1 million households weekly. 1 million households weekly view two terrestri- domestic terrestrial broadcast programs. One is a BS program, which is a broadcast system, uh, which is, I think, satellite TV. Uh, in April 2021, a combative channel, I think it's combative sports channel, Amoeba started relay broadcasting of New Japan wrestling, pro wrestling matches. I think these are written by someone who's not a, uh, a first language English uh, speaker. But the Roku channel, I, I, it's, um, t- t- tell me what you think of this, this pitch for, for Roku. The Roku channel, an American major streaming service provider with more than 40 million users. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. Yes. And also, too, at the end of the day, you know, the Roku channel and the Roku platform are two completely different things in the aspect of you're trying to sell it. Like, yeah, there might be 40 million Rokus because people are watching Netflix and HBO Max and Peacock. And you don't have to, by the way, you don't have to have a Roku device to to be a Roku household. No, 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 you have to have the Roku, like Roku app, you're saying? That's yeah, like like I can watch Roku right now. I don't have a Roku in my home. I, I just I, I can go to the Roku website and watch it. Oh yeah, okay. Computer. I don't know how I would put it on my TV because I don't think it's on it. I have Apple TVs, so I, I don't think it's on yeah. Apple TV because they probably don't want to play with with Apple TV. But anyway, but the Roku channel is not like the popularity of people just getting. I own a Roku, and I can tell you, I very rarely watch the Roku channel. Yes, it's a lot of old programming, old movies. And I've honestly watched the first episode of, of the New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> That's because it. it's all um, it's quite delayed by months, right? It's a lot of archived footage, yeah. Right. It's it's some place to watch some of the library, which is better than nothing, better than what they had before they made this Roku deal. But uh, if they're really going to grow internationally or specifically in the United States, they really need to get on linear television. I don't know if that's going to happen. Just, you know, I know we don't want to go down too hard down this rabbit hole, though, but I mean, 
why would they have a hard, I'm surprised that maybe they've just turned down deals that they would have a hard time to get on linear television in the States, just based on how much wrestling TV we have right now. Like, you know, MLW and, and Impact and, you know, Dark Side of the Ring and, you know, Ring of Honor, all this. And they can't get on even like MLW a secondary network. Like, that New Japan should be able to at this point. Yes. Even if it's a secondary network like BN Sports, which MLW started, like the, the surprise is they can't even get on something like that. My speculation would be that MLW is much, is working much harder and more effectively at media distribution at least in this market, this market being the U.S., than Japan is or is equipped to do. Even though New, J- New Japan and MLW are on different stratospheres as, as wrestling businesses. We'll see who gets a U.S. TV deal first. Will it be New Japan, the NWA, or uh, surprisingly Game Changer Wrestling? Or none of the above. That will be the... <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Or none of the above. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, both, yes. Then we have this slide. It's uh, more of the same, but we also we have a we have a stardom appearance here celebrating uh, stardom's first event at the Pond Budokan. Uh, we have Julia and Tam Nakano. They fought in the main event match. They've got a, a photo of that of this and, and mentioning that it drew three thousand three hundred and eighteen spectators uh, at the Budokan. And they had, uh, they have another event, or they had, I guess this was before the event happened. They were, they were having another event at Yokohama Budokan on April 4th. Um, Budokan holds well over 10,000. This is also where the G1 Climax finals were. Um, I should probably go to the Budokan someday. Budokan is, uh, I'm a big All Japan in the 90s fan. Are you familiar with the Budokan, Colo? Yes, I'm familiar with the lineage and everything of it. Uh, a lot, a lot I, uh, of good live albums were recorded there. If, if, depending on how the COVID restrictions are there in next, the plan is for me to go to Japan next year. Really? Around this time. Yeah. We wanted to, my yeah, wife and I want to go somewhere big for fifth year anniversary. And she's always had interest in Japan for other reasons. And I've had interest in Japan for mostly wrestling. <laughs> so. Uh, quickly. There was another large-scale international event, this time in Riyadh. Yes, the I, I love that Sean Ross Sapp tweeted, for those interested, yes, the talent plane has left Saudi Arabia. They successfully left. There was no delay this time, apparently. Uh, and just to, uh, to lay out, $50 million. Expect $50 million in the Q4 report. Not the one that's upcoming, but the one that we will get in February. We'll, we'll, they will not tell you how much money they make in Saudi Arabia, but they will report that money inside of a black box called Other Media, one of their lines of reporting. That is uh, the, the the four events, not even counting this fifth one. The four events add up to $250 million, which is more than all tickets sold to WrestleMania ever adjusted in modern dollars, adjusted for inflation. Every WrestleMania ticket ever adjusted for inflation is about $228 million, less than the $250 million that WWE has made in large-scale international events in Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, excuse me. And that is far more than AEW will make in its entire four-year deal with Warner Media. Anyway, finally, Loop Capital, which is a, a, um, a firm that covers WWE stock, uh, analyst Alan Gould, a Harvard grad uh, came out with a report. This is not terribly new, but it's about a, about a month ago. 
Um, and it really engaged with, uh, what's happening with, uh, in AEW, uh, as far as the, the, the ratings comparison. Um, just, it, uh, what is the percentage that I have here? That, that should be a dollar sign, not a percent sign. In any event, um, Loop Capital, uh, Alan Gould just mentions that, uh, the, that W ratings have gained strong momentum, uh, and live touring has returned. Um, however, he writes, AEW is giving the company the strongest competition it has had in decades, which could increase talent and marketing costs. Uh, I, it, I think it already has increased talent costs. Um, we are raising our 2021 adjusted EBITDA estimates from, uh, two, 315. So he's basically saying, I think W is going to be more profitable by a little bit than I thought before for the year. Um, I will, uh, be doing a, an estimate this, this coming week, I think is, I guess I could do it next week too, but before the, the next report, which is November 4th, uh, I, I will do an, an estimate estimating the revenue and, and the EBITDA, OBITDA, all that stuff. Um, so he also writes, W is showing its first positive quarterly ratings trends in years, but upstart competitor AEW's ratings are growing even faster. Raw and SmackDown are up five and 7% respectively year over year based on all viewers. AEW is up 31% in total viewers and occasionally beat or tied Raw in the key demo, 18 and 49. Um, yeah, Raw is going against Monday Night Football. Uh, AEW also has this new program called Rampage that is doing similar ratings to NXT. AEW is run by Tony Khan, son of Shad Khan, billionaire owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, things like this. Well, certainly not this in specific, but I could see things like this that I'm sure W Investor Relations is well aware of um, at the time that it came out, end of September. Just where you've got more and more people paying attention to and comparing WB to AEW. That is, you know, driving some of the actions that we're seeing here in terms of what we discussed earlier. It's a SmackDown replay coincidentally running against a first run of Dynamite. FS1 giving SmackDown an extra 30 minutes to run head-to-head with Rampage. Um... We'll see what happens on Friday if we have a Friday Night War Part 2. Uh, that's the, the the main story of the business to me. It's one of the most exciting. I mean, I've been covering and writing about and talking about wrestling business well before AEW existed. Um, but this is a really interesting time in, in wrestling. And, uh, you know, you get some big WWE fans that tell you they don't be, that you need to stop comparing WWE to AEW. <laughs> but... Uh, that's the most, at least to me, and I think to a lot of readers, on uh, audience re- members, listeners, viewers, etc. That's the mo- thing that they're most interested in, because um, this is the, this is about the the balance of power, and I, and I see the shift going more to AEW over time. Why uh, they have a superior product in the core content on the TV show, um, and they have a superior head of creative in terms of. His ability to execute versus W's head of creative's ability to execute. And, uh, the balance of power, power, the order of power, uh, is not sustainable, uh, over a long enough period of time in, in its current state. W will always be advantaged, uh, by its enormous legacy in terms of its video library and its various trademarks, uh, its history that it has with fans all over the world. All those smiles that they put on all those faces over the world. Uh, those are investments, not just smiles. But uh, AW has a superior product, uh, which is going to continue to 
compete strongly with with uh, WWE. WWE will still have its fans. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a point where, in many ways, AEW becomes more popular than WWE. But WWE will always have, I think, its fans that are conditioned and accepting and internalizing the qualities of their content that many others find frustrating and who are finding satisfaction in an alternative that is AEW. It's that established fan base we've talked about before, too. And that's why you see they do so well in P50 Plus, like as far as it's that established fan base of people that grew up with WWE and they're not going to go to anything else and ever anything else is just too weird or crazy or, you know. And, and WWE does, these are the differences too. WWE does better with kids. WWE does better with women, at least women 35 to 49. WWE does better with African Americans. Uh, we see that in viewership numbers from Nielsen. Why is that? I, I would speculate that if you look at, um, the, the, uh, Independent, independent wrestling. So I see AEW kind of as like this extension of indie wrestling culture and online fan culture, um, which, which those cultures often get dismissed and be accused of being, you know, this is the vocal minorities and people are just too loud and they, they're, they're, they're not really reflecting a real economic reality. They're just making noise and their voices are over amplified. No need to pay attention to them, but their voices have become more meaningful over time. Perhaps as the, the, the total available market has gotten smaller for wrestling in any event their voices have gotten more meaningful over time uh the so-called vocal minority this the so-called hardcore fan which i think is sort of a misnomer and misleading it makes people it, make, it, it makes people like the, the hard t- today's hardcore wrestling fan the, today's hardcore we fan who loves roman reigns who has roman reigns as their profile picture on twitter and who yells at me when i report ratings um it i it those are hardcore fans. That's a hardcore fan, you know, but what people are referring to, it seems to me, oftentimes when they use the term hardcore fan, they're talking about like this, this fan that's watching all these different wrestling products, not just WWE, right? Not barely even WWE. In any event, I think AEW, its opportunity became available in large part for a number of reasons, but in large part because there's this growing independent fan culture. This growing online fan culture, um, that, and, and this, these groups of people were, in, you know, increasingly dissatisfied with WB. Talent was dissatisfied with WB too. In any event, uh, those, those cultures, indie wrestling fan culture, online fan culture seem to be, and things like the Reddit census, the data that we see in that supports that this is a disproportionately male, disproportionately white population. Of people, why? Why is that? More research needs to be done. But I, I mean, I would speculate that there are economic factors involved, including: Do you have access to the internet? That costs money. Uh, do you have the devices that that are required to engage with online internet communities? That costs money, and and maybe there's discrimination involved too, uh, intentionally or not. But that would that would be my guess. Have you ever, you've, uh, you, you're on a lot of indie shows these days. Yes. Yes. And I've had these moments where I've been on an indie show and like I've already wrestled and I'm hanging out at the merch table and watching the, watching the show. And you look at the fans and I'm, and sometimes I've been like, this is, this is overwhelmingly white men. 
Have you ever uh, that, had moments like that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I remember when I started 10 years ago, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of kids in the audience. It may be like, it might have been 30, 40% kids. And I, now, I feel like it, it depends on the type of show you're at, right? If you're yes, at what I would call yeah. a local indie show, kids. If you're at a super indie show, something that's more t- on the on the end of what I would consider the super indie spectrum, white young adult men. Yes. Yeah, and, and and I've seen and those used to kinda oh, there's some kids here and there, but now there's and I know this because like every event I'll do the fifty fifty where I try I pick giving the audience to draw the number, it makes the kids day, yes. the crowd cheers for them. And, and I've noticed a lot of my like I'm looking, I don't have as many <laughs> kids to, to, to like to choose from anymore. Yeah. So well, it depends on the show you're at, but yeah. But the culture. Yeah, the indie well, indie when I first culture. started it was a lot of those small town shows and yeah. Where kids are a, a big chunk of the audience. But yes, you're right. You don't see a lot of women in the audience as well. You see some. Uh some. You but see, not a lot. You see some some women. You see some people of color. But it's yeah. a you know, dis- disproportionate to the population at large. It's white men. Um, why is that? For the reasons economic, perhaps discrimination as well. Um, and I think the response, this is okay. This is an opportunity for at least AEW to say, how can we engage our audience and, and people in a, in a way that attracts a, a larger audience total in the end for us and embraces more people of all different backgrounds. Moving on. I think that's all for today. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, uh, well, for, yeah, first want to thank people, uh, for subscribing to our YouTube. And if you haven't yet, please do. Now that we're betraying so YouTube on Twitch. <laughs> but yeah, we've reached uh, 1290 subscribers and, uh, we want to keep that growing. So mm-hmm. yes. Uh, as always on YouTube, we're going back to the regular schedule. I did an emergency Tuesday instead. No, Monday instead. Right, Monday. Yes, Monday. Yeah. Instead, live TV ratings talk after the uh, the information related to the Friday Night War came out. Uh, but we're with uh, Dynamite now back in its regular slot. We'll get a rating for Dynamite on Thursday. That's usually where the most interest is. So Thursday evening, early evening, five thirty p.m. Eastern, just after the Dynamite ratings come out, you can listen to and watch the live TV ratings talk. The audio is also in the Patreon audio feed for patrons slash subscribers at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics where subscribers who uh, subscribe for $5 a month to get access to my TV ratings reports that come out nearly every single weekday as well as you get access to the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet with tens of thousands of data points in it plus lots of other content. Lots of uh, very smart people in the wrestling business subscribe to this. You can, oh, you have and uh, we... Well, I was just saying, we will let you guys know next week as far as what our plans are for Q3, uh, the conference call, you know, uh, what we saw. And, and, and of course, you'll have tons of statistics of what they lay out with comparative to other quarters and whatnot. Yeah. For the WWE Q3 conference call, yeah, ne- which is next week, Thursday. Yeah, I have to think about what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll tweet it, no doubt. Follow me on Twitter at WrestleNomics and at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gello. And we'll talk to you next time.